Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone. All set for another exciting conversation. We have the crew again, Z, Peace, Caitlin, Jante. Z, we're talking about a pretty interesting topic, and this just came up maybe 10 minutes ago. We were talking about gene expression. And this to me is fascinating because the way you describe it is that we have our DNA, but then we also have the way that that DNA expresses itself. So even if two people have the exact same genes, the expression of those genes could be very different, meaning that your characteristics, your capabilities could be very different. Part of that would depend on environmental factors, the way you're raised. A lot might depend on the work that you put in. A lot might depend on your attitude, how you think about yourself, how you think about life. When I think about this, it's fascinating because it suggests we have a lot more control over ourselves than perhaps we have been led to believe. And I go back to the courses that I took growing up. I still remember, it was either in fifth or sixth grade, we were talking about genetics. And the whole idea is that your genes are fixed. So you have these genes and you have evolution over time across generations. So if you're not very tall, maybe your great grandkids can be tall because you've got people with tall genes who are mixing into the gene pool or maybe there's some random mutation of genes and that gives you some superpower that never existed. So there is this natural tendency towards evolution and change, but that happens from one generation to the next. And the whole idea that I learned growing up is that for you, you're kind of out of luck. You've got the genes that you have, you can work within your capabilities, but that's the extent of it. And as we're talking, and I've also heard this before, so there's this whole field of epigenetics, which I believe is the same thing. It's around gene expression. The more recent research that has come out suggests we have a much greater control over our genes. So no, we can't change our DNA, but we can change the way those genes express themselves, which influences what we can do with our bodies, what we can do with our minds. It's kind of like neuroplasticity, which I believe we've talked about in the past, where Previously, there was a view that the brain is fixed, it's static, and once you get past childhood, you've got what you've got. Whereas more recently, there's a recognition that we can rewire the brain. So by changing our habits, changing our focus, we can create different neural pathways. People who've lost the ability to move certain limbs can actually train other parts of their brain to take over the same function. So to me, it feels like it's in that same category, that we are literally the architects of ourselves we can change ourselves, reprogram ourselves, depending on our environment, depending on our effort, and depending on our mindset, what we choose to believe and what we choose to focus on. So on the one hand, this is exciting. I mean, I, I look at this and it just opens up so many possibilities. On the other hand, you could look at it as somewhat terrifying in the sense that it's a grave responsibility. If we do have that amount of control, we better make sure that we're living the right way, that we are living consciously we're not just allowing things to happen to us because it's not just the degradation of our body from the environmental factors. It is literally the way that we are expressing our genetic material. So, Z, open us up on this. Uh, why don't you give us a little more background on this concept of gene expression, what it means and how it works. I think that would be some useful background for everyone to have uh, before we really dive into this conversation. Yeah, Vin, it, it's, it's a topic that is uh, exciting to me because I work with the Century Project, which is people who want to live a healthy life until they're 100. They don't want to just live a long time, but they want to be present until they're 100. So we're constantly doing research and looking for innovative ways uh, to achieve those milestones that we need to do so we can reflect back on, on a nice long life and we're active and we're engaging. And then I overlay that with what is the scientific data on centenarians. And just a little pause before I start that, I have uh, uh, Caitlin, uh, Jante, and Peace, they're here today. And I really get a great benefit from spending time with um, 
with all of you guys that are, are uh, significantly younger than me. Because what I found in part of the Century Project is to constantly keep the stimulation of the brain. And as it's said in the Vedas, if one wants to gain knowledge, spend time with the elderly or spend time with the old or wise. And if, if the old and wise wish to have a vibrant existence, spend time with the youth. So it's a very important place in our lives that we share this time together because I learn from them every day. Um, they're, they're saying stuff I don't even know what they're talking about and they'll bring me up to speed on things that are going on and it again it advances my knowledge. Knowledge isn't just what you know it's the receptivity to understanding and growth so that you can create new algorithms of learning and information absorption and life adaptation. So knowledge isn't just I can walk around and recite a lot of things, I have a few PhDs, blah, 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 blah. Can I refresh that? Can I continue to grow? So I, I really want to just put that out to all of you guys. Whenever I talk to people, I talked to uh, one of my dear students, one of my baby sisters, Rosa, uh, this morning, and it was just exciting. I was excited. So that's a big part of as you move through life and you have many uh, journeys around the sun, it's very easy to fall into kind of a malaise and, and reflecting back on your life as if it was so great and not looking forward to the future. But when I spend time with it, I get refreshed and you look forward to the next experience, which goes a long way towards longevity. When you no longer look forward to things, death is near, right? The decline of the soul is near. So uh, I want to just put that uh, shout out, I don't know if that's the right way to say it anymore, to all the young folks and say, I'm just, I, I learn a lot from you guys, but it triggers me to reach deeper into the trove of my experience to share with you guys. So it's a mutual admiration society. Um, with that being said, genetic expression is, is, is something that I want everybody to hold on to because everything we do, everything we act upon, everything we do in life has a consequence, a liability, and a benefit. By having this understanding, you have greater stewardship of your life. You have more potential to own yourself. That's all. That's why we want to know about this. So yeah, you have identical twins that can be completely different for just small reasons. The way they behave, some of them don't even look alike. There's paternal twins, as they call, but they share the exact same DNA. But how that DNA is expressed has a lot to do with the environmental demands. I was talking to Peace and I said, well, you have a brother. You guys are identically similar, but you played basketball on an extraordinary level. Maybe he was an average basketball player. But what was it about Peace that, that, that this ability was able to go far and beyond, right? So you were able to do amazing things in basketball, right? But if on paper, he wouldn't be that. On paper, you know, he's, he's five foot something. Um, uh, to me, pretty average looking guy. In another life, I'd probably just rob him on the street. But I found out that he's an extraordinary basketball player. Scholarship. I'm talking about college scholarship. Could play pro. But if you, were to, if you were to go and ask an expert, they would say, no, next, give me the six foot five, blah, 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 like some of my nephews. And they couldn't play basketball any better, but they would be chosen by the experts to do it. And so his genetics expressed themselves for a reason. He summoned up the genetics ability to recruit muscles a certain way, to coordinate, to create a certain stretch shortening cycle, a rate of force development that allow him to be very successful with that particular sport. How much of that expression is related to the desire, the desire to do something, the passion you had for the sport? And he's dozing off in here because he had a long day at work, so I'm going to just throw coffee on him. So, and so the desire to do that. And the, the, so I want to talk about that with, with our lives. We found that when people reach a certain age, that they lose a third, they, they go down to one third of their original genetic expression for muscle growth. Let's talk about this because it's going to be a little more than what we think. So, they say that almost 150 different genes are expressed in any type of muscle development. So think about muscle. What do we need muscle for? Muscle is the front line of our immune system. 
It also represents the way we express who we are in life, how you move your body, how you engage other people. The muscles are the animator of your structure. That's, that's how you get around, how you move, uh, the style in which you, you engage the world. Uh, and that's what your muscles do. When you lose that muscle tone, you lose the ability to clearly represent the whole of yourself. So, that's right. So we, that's right. Good point. <laughs> so we know when we're sick. We know when we're, we know when, we know when we're sick. We, we know when another person isn't feeling well. A predator will know that you're not sharp. So when, when we look at the way we forensically analyze crime, we see a person that appears weak, that appears feeble, right? That's an easier person to set upon. It happens in the animal kingdom. A lion is tough, but it's going after the, the gazelle that's not looking and walking with a limp. That's the, that's the one they're going to say, look, because it's really an energy game. Why should I go run after something that, go, that can run 60 miles an hour when I can just go get the dude over there going three miles an hour? Easy lunch. I want easy lunch because I'm going to have to lay down and digest the food in the shade. And hyena's going to be trying to take my food. So I need easy because I got to save energy. Then I got to go breed with the different lioness. They're going to fight me before I can breed. So I need to save my energy. That's the way life works. So genetic expression that is on a, on a lower volume doesn't mean it's gone. It's at a lower volume. I was saying earlier to you guys that genetic expression is like having a cheering squad or the home team. You're trying to do something. You got 150 people encouraging you to do something. And then after a while, they leave the arena. It's only just a few people, your close family members. Yeah, come on, you can do it. It's very different. And if anybody's ever been involved in any type of sport or activity, when people are rooting for you, you tend to be able to accomplish that task with more, uh, uh, with more fulfillment. You're able to, to really get down. And nobody's cheering for you. It's a little harder. People say that all the time. I wish you would support me. Why do we say that? Why do we say, I wish I had more support from my friends or family. I'm going to do it, but it would be nice to do it with support. Or people get a lot of support, and they say, you know, it was easy to do that. Everybody was behind me. Or, or they'll even say, I couldn't fail because so many people were cheering for me. So many people were encouraged. We hear this all the time. So when you think about genetic expression, you think about what, what, what the science says. So when you get uh, over 50, it's harder to build muscle than when you're under 50. Why? Because that cheerleader, there's not as many cheerleaders. So what do you have to do to get those cheerleaders to be louder, even though they're fewer, is again, environmental. You give them everything they need to support you. You let them know that you're enthusiastic, that you are uh, persevering. You give them the hero they want. So what I tell people is change your workout around. Change your diet, your lifestyle around to be more readily available to your audience of genetics. Then you will grow and get stronger. And I, I was sharing the story uh, before we got online when I had my major neck surgery. I was told by uh, the, one of the best neurologists in the world. He said, look, we got it done. We don't know how you survive. We have no idea, but I accept it there is some sort of resonance or echo or epigenetic DNA involved here. He said, that's not my expertise, but the fact that you could walk in with such a severe neck injury tells me that you're a great candidate to recover. I know the limits uh, from a point of view of, of liability and what I did, I, things I need to say to you um, and, and the people in your family, uh, but I, I know that you will probably transcend anything that I've ever said. So he said, he gave me a warning. He said, the surgery may only last for six months. And there's a possibility that you won't be here next year. I said, okay. Also, you have been athletic all your life, freakishly strong all your life. I, since I was 15 years old, I've been 5'9", 160 pounds. At the height of my athletics uh, test, I was a world-class martial artist, world-class runner. 
I could bench press 410 pounds and leg press 2,300 pounds. Some of you have seen demonstrations I've done or pictures. And uh, so uh, I was very strong. He says, well, you should not lift and maybe can, will not be to lift more than 20 pounds upon waking up from this surgery. But you will live. It will be a very different life for you. Based on my expertise and my understanding of the mechanics of the human nervous system and what we know about the surgery we perform. I said, okay. And even as he said it, I just thought that was bizarre. I was listening to him and I, I had the utmost respect for him. I just thought what he was saying was bizarre. Not from a point of view of machismo or bravado, I just said, I appreciate you, I really do. You're doing a pro bono surgery on me million-dollar surgery, but you don't know me. I'm not going out like that. And I, again, it wasn't from a, a point of view where I'm just macho or anything. It's just that I really, the only thing I knew was me. The only thing I knew was me. And he's telling me about a me I don't know. So... Some of the students said when they came to see me in recovery, I don't remember because I was hopped up on every kind of anesthesia they had available, some Michael Jackson stuff and some other kind of stuff. And they said you were doing Tai Chi in the bed. You were going through martial arts movements while you were laying in the bed. I don't remember that, but they all said, yeah, we came to see you and you were just getting down. And I remember coming out of the surgery, there were stitches in my neck and things like that. And they said, well, give them an assistance up the stairs. And I, I, the person was walking up with me, and they kind of slipped, and I picked them up. I caught them. from. Oh, no, don't do that. And it was me. I was just being me. So that's what we refer to as genetic expression. It also refers to as the epigenetic, the echo, the experiences of many generations of people, enduring people. And over time, as I recovered, I was able to gain a reasonable amount of my strength back. I, I, I don't do the things I did when I was younger. I'm not that serious about it anymore because I got other stuff going on. I got to uh, work in my business. I got to deal with all these millennials and I got to race remote control cars with my kids. Uh, so it doesn't give me the same time. Time is limited. But I don't feel debilitated. Um, I'm, I think you guys would agree that I, I'm reasonably strong. I can do some things. So it, it isn't, but again, I, I, I want to really present that it isn't magical. I don't know how to be anything but me. That's genetic expression. So as I'm aging, I don't have some of the concerns that some aging people do. And many of my friends and people that I know also are like that. Um, it's an attitude that summons the genetic expression and when you read the data, they can look in a material way at the DNA and say that DNA is lesser or that expression is lesser than it is in this demographic group. But remember that DNA is reminding you of who you are. Not just who you are in a fixed way, but how you live your life. How do you see life? Who are you? As the yogis say, I am. Who is the I am? And that's what you are. But also, as you extract the ego from your answering who I am, you want to remember that you don't want to grandize yourself. You want to, don't want to be narcissistic. Be really honest about your daily actions and activities, the character of you. Underneath that, when nobody's looking, who are you? That's how the DNA expresses itself in the quiet of your own soul. So it's not a competition, it's not comparing. Because each one of those genes, those expressions of the gene leads to hundreds if not thousands of little things. I talked earlier again about DNA expression in, 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 in for example, the muscle. What does it mean to have musculature to you? So if you're not, if your life doesn't require you to be muscular, you won't be muscular. 
How does it know you need that? Because of how the rhythm and the dance of life. You know, I, I always said uh, that, that life's a dance. When you look at DNA, when you look at the double helix of DNA, it looks like almost a note of music. So life itself is a dance. So how do you dance? So for me, and for many of us, my physical fitness has a lot to do with how I move in the world. I want to do active things with my children. Uh, I love women. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm married now, things like that. But, but I like to be engaged and intimate, right? So that requires me to be fit for the kind of intimacy. I won't get into that. But for the kind of intimacy I enjoy, it requires fitness. Okay? So that's genetic expression. Every now and then, I like to jump on my bicycle or my motorcycle, and I, I like to have balance. That's who I am. And I'm just, I'm just being very candid. So when we look at our lives away from descriptors of ego, how do you, do you go hiking? Is that important to you to go hiking? So if that's important to you and how you express that, your genes will express that. And you will be very good. So I know someone, uh, Inga's 93, 94 years old, walks many miles every day because that's part of it. And I know people 60 years old that cannot walk two miles. Right? This woman can walk many miles a day and she's 93, 94 years old. Because being her requires that, but also that walking and fitness is something she likes to do with her partner, her boyfriend, who's about 15, 20 years younger than her. So for them to express their life, he, uh, they, they, their genes express a certain way to design their life, right? He's beat all sorts of diseases, he's happy, he's joyful, so that changes what would be a disease expression of DNA into an active thing. And that's why I tell people, don't just look at your life and say, you know, I lost this thing. I lost. There are things in this realm of existence that are so far beyond our understanding. We see it played out in athletics, but in individuals and in people, I know women who have had children when they told they could never get pregnant. I know people become parents after being told by every expert they can't have babies. I know people who have been able to do things that every expert said you can't do, but they didn't understand their genetics. I've seen people beat cancer like it was a redhead stepchild. I don't think you're supposed to say that anymore. <laughs> Nothing against gingers. I have a lot of ginger friends. Uh, I think they're great people. Uh, even though, yeah. yeah. So whatever. That I don't believe that. If Dave is listening, we love gingers. You know that. So. There are people that, and then there are other people that will hear they have the gene for something in their whole life. I've heard of women cutting their breast off because they did a genetic test that said they had a susceptibility to a certain type of breast cancer. You've heard of this, right, Caitlin? It's the weirdest thing. They'll go in and cut their breast off because they heard, and, but they don't understand genetic expression. What if you don't eat the way your mom did? What if you exercise different than your mom? What if you carry stress different than your mom? All those things are playing a role because the DNA affects hundreds or thousands of different functions in your body. The DNA to be in, the, the intimacy affects your DNA. Closeness affects your DNA. Studying, reading affects your DNA. All these things affect your DNA. But you're not a slave to it. You can't change the way you look or your nose or something that you, had, you inherited from your grandfather or your mother. You can't change that. But every little thing under that is subject to modification. You understand? It's subject to modification. And, and, and what we don't understand is anxiety can destroy auspicious DNA expression, healthy, good DNA expression, because you're anxious and you're changing the commands. So your body is built for anxiousness, and that is very uh, consuming. So your shoulders are tight, your neck is tight, and the body is now adapting. This is who I am. I'm a nervous, anxious person. And so then your DNA adapts, so you start to see it in the face. You start to see it in all these other areas. I've, I've shared experience when I was a 13-year-old, I lost my father under tragic conditions. I developed pectic ulcers and stomach issues. Well, every few people in my family have this genetic thing. Most of them don't. But whenever we have gone through extreme trauma, it affects our stomach. 
they take a DNA test, yeah, you are susceptible to this and you have lactose intolerance. That's in my DNA. But I have other cousins that never happened to. They didn't go through what I went through. That DNA did not express itself that way. But again, please let's look at it in a more subtle way. Having a healthy, well life allows the DNA to be expressed in a unique way to support the I am. Avoid this normalization of anxiety. Get out of the stream of madness. You see now the large number of people with spine disease, kyphosis of the spine, osteoarthritis, all that. You are not predisposed to have this, though it's there. It's there. It's right there. Do you want it to express itself or not? Then do everything you can to express the way you want to express. Hold your head up. Drop your shoulders. So when the I am meditation says, I'm an upright person with a reasonable level of situational awareness. I am present in the world all the time. You'll say most people lie about it. They say they want that, but that's not true. They're not acting that. They're hunched over. They're crunched over. They're waiting for something's going to happen next week. Something happened last week. You can watch people age differently. I know twins, one ages rather fast. One doesn't seem to age. These women, one of them doesn't seem to ever age. Two different personalities, exactly same genetic sequence. Exactly the same. Right? So let us be very aware of the role our genes and DNA play, but also know that you are not a slave to that. And do like these Hollywood people, they're, they're doing all kinds of stuff to get in front of a disease that, they, they, that someone in the family might have passed on. Or when you look at epigenetics, just because your grandparents or you went through trauma, you don't have to act out that so it sends signals to your DNA the epigenetics and eugenic, so then you go down the same path of the traumatized parent. We see this playing out in many communities and many cultural groups. They're passing on generation after generation uh, trauma of victim victimization, and nobody moves forward. High blood pressure, hypertension, right? Early onset of dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all these diseases that had nothing to do with you, but everything to do with you because you never made the declarative, I am me right now here, and I will not go down that path, right? And because I will choose to express my genetics a different way. I will make a concerted effort. Look at your diet. If you have a predisposition to food allergies or things like that, master it. Stick to the polyphenols. Stick to the healthy lifestyle. Then you don't do the same thing. If you're honest with yourself, and everybody I've known that had a genetic predisposition to something and it came upon, it set upon them in the way that they lived the life exactly like their forebears did and made no changes. Yeah, you know, most people in my family have lung cancer and I've really been meaning to get off these cigarettes. What? What? Well, you know, it, it runs in my family. I hear this on diabetes just runs in my family. No, nobody in your family runs. That's the problem. Stop eating um, uh, snicker snooker bars and, and, and adding an extra tablespoon of sugar to your coffee. Stop. Stop. And that gene won't express itself. How about that? How about you do something different than Grandpa... Uh, grandpa uh, Amos did or whatever, right? How about not work in the coal mine? Then you won't have black lung disease, silicosis, asbestosis, even though you have the gene. You know, I got the gene for it. So how would you explain then, there was an era where they all very clearly lived a certain way, developed these diseases, but still lived to like 85, 95 years old. How would you explain that? Well, here's the thing. Not only is it the longevity, but it's the length of health. How many years were they unhealthy and not really able to live a life they would have liked to live? But also you look at the simplicity of life. There are people that through epigenetics or through trauma were subject to 
environmental environmental uh, challenges. Come on in, John. Environmental challenges that these diseases visit them. So of course you had people that worked in asbestos factories. You can't talk, Drona. I'm, I'm doing a come over here. I'm doing a uh, podcast. Drona, say hi to everybody. What hi. Do you, what do you want? Uh, to watch some more stuff. No, no, you can't just keep watching the internet. Okay, we, we're in a podcast, and that's not healthy for kids. Get a book to read. Just to follow up on, on Johnny's question, these people were exposed to horrific environmental stressors. I mean, asbestos, lead in the water, but because the I am of them was so strong, they didn't succumb to a lot of these diseases, though they were ravaged by them, but they were able to live pretty long lives. It's just like when people ask me, what about the centenarian that smokes cigarettes, eats meat, and, and, and drinks whiskey every day? Well, what I say to them is they've ravaged themselves in one way, but their Wei Qi, the Chinese refer to as your immune system, Wei Qi is so strong because if you look at the personality of those people, they don't have the same stresses as other people. They don't hold on to grudges. Every day they start fresh. They don't have anxiety. You can't live a long time with anxiety. A centenarian does not have anxiety, period. So you have these people that were just present. They lived day to day. They were in the now. So that allowed them to overcome many of the environmental stressors that didn't trigger genetic expression that caused a decline in them. And even when these diseases came upon them, they had enough um, uh, uh, intestinal fortitude to overcome them for a while, you know, and but many of them died way too young. I mean, of of other uh, problems that were directly related to environmental and social stresses, which we often refer to as epigenetic. And so when we uh, see that generationally, and let's say this person died of the same thing their foreparent did, they didn't do anything different. They didn't acknowledge anyway and that's what we want to do. We want to acknowledge the I am and, and separate and distinct from where we came. It doesn't mean that you don't value where you came but you understand it and then when you start to do that that's what uh, you find that there is a freedom for you to shape yourself. Okay so we have many stories of people who lived a long life and weren't necessarily that healthy Imagine if they were healthy, right? They were enduring and they never alerted the unhealthy DNA because of the way their frame of mind. My grandmother, who lived to be 95, told me once, I asked her once, once I asked her, I think I mentioned it before, I asked her, don't you ever get lonely in the house? You know, your husband's been dead for many years, our grandfather. And she said, no, he left me so much love in this house, I'm still finding it. I guess when I stop finding the love, I'll, I'll join him. But he left a lot of love in his house. And she said, by the way, I was just looking for something in the cabinet, and that door used to creak, and I noticed he fixed the door you know, 20, 30 years ago, 30-something years ago, because he loved me. I, I, I remember uh, I told you the story about the tree in front of her house. He, she happened to casually mention she wanted shade. And he took me somewhere, and we dug up a tree, planted for it. Now that whole block is covered with ficus trees, beautiful trees, that whole block whole block has tall, beautiful trees. And all she said in a passing word with a slight glance toward my ground, I wish I had shade. So there was so much love in that house that it sustained her many years after he had passed away. Once she had a, a, done and accomplished many things, she wanted to leave her house to her youngest son's children. Uh, her youngest son had been murdered in a robbery and she lost touch with his children. She spent about 30 years tracking them down. When she found these kids, they were, all of them were near 40 years old. She brought them back. She asked us, do you mind if I give them the house? Because they missed 40 years with me. And I want them to have the house. If any of you need the house, I'll give it to you because you've always been here with me. And all the grandkids said, no, we don't need the house. So she gave the house to that. Shortly after she gave the house to that, her health declined rather rapidly and she was gone. She had, so her genetic expression was not that to be really healthy. Historically, the, the family had been through a lot of trauma, but the soul of her, the I am of her, required her to live many years to fulfill a duty to her dead son. And she achieved that. Reminds me of Miss Harriet. <laughs>
Yes. Right. Yeah, talk about it. Oh, just Miss Harriet was a wonderful woman. And you could tell that she had, you know, surpassed some sort of milestone in her life where she, she if she hadn't the duty, she would have probably just wanted to let go. But And Caitlin, that, that, that is a ghost for genetic expression. Miss Harriet had lung diseases. She had a bunch of health issues that she overcame them or was able to bear with them because she had it, her I am was she had a duty to her children. And she was a, a single mom with four children and raising uh, her sister's kids. And st looking at what, what experts say, she shouldn't have made it to 60. She made it well into her 80s. And it wasn't, the, it wasn't her genetics that took her out, it was emotional. She was sad. The sadness made the genes express themselves that she could no longer eat. She stopped eating. She starved to death from sadness. That simple. So let us think about genetic expression. Can you guys comment on that or, or any thoughts on that, Vin? Anybody? Yeah, Zia, I would offer a couple of thoughts on this. One, it's interesting how you tie the, the philosophical, the spiritual to the science, because oftentimes there's this, this distance between Eastern and Western thought, and you've got intuition at times, or what seems like intuition. We experience certain things. We see anomalies that science can't explain, and there's a sense of taking things on faith, and then there's some in the scientific community who say, no, that's ridiculous. It's just a coincidence, yeah, out of every thousand people who's succumbing to, to cancer, you're going to have one who ends up recovering miraculously, and that's just like any other anomaly that you would see in the world. But it's interesting now because the research, as we're talking about gene expression, now there is a scientific basis to support the phenomenon, I mean, almost the common wisdom that we all observe. So you think about just very basic advice how important attitude is, things like fake it till you make it, things like just having gratitude, going out into the world, being positive, having belief in yourself, this concept of effort and how talent takes a backseat to effort. So maybe you need a certain baseline level of talent, but beyond that, most of the difference in achievement comes from grit and there are books that have been written about this. How persistent are you? How dedicated are you? There's that concept of 10,000 hours. Can you put in 10,000 hours so that you can really master a skill? So it's not so much about what you're born with, what you come to the table with, but more how you cultivate what's already innate within you. And do you bring the right level of focus and the right amount of optimism to express what already exists? And conversely, as you're saying, if you don't do that, if you've got the wrong environmental factors, you've got the wrong attitude, you look around, you see that other people in your family have succumbed to disease, and you think, good God, this is just going to happen to me as well. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and it's a little more subtle than that because it's self-fulfilling, one, since you're not going to eat right, you're not going to exercise, but two, that gets back to what we're talking about that has some impact on gene expression, so that makes the situation even worse. Uh, so it's interesting to me how you take that concept, you can start explaining a lot of the things that that at least I intuitively feel a lot of us have experienced, but now we have some science behind it to, to back it up, uh, which, which I think is very powerful. Um, you know, we were talking earlier, Z, about how the way that people look at professional athletes has changed. So in the conversation we were having, we were talking about baseball and there's that movie Moneyball which is based on a book so back in the day the whole recruiting of professional baseball players was based on these observable characteristics so how fast can you run how strong are you I mean I, I'm not familiar with all the different metrics but there was a checklist of attributes and if you had those attributes you're supposed to be this great prospect and then what people found was that when you actually got into the statistics, those things didn't count for that much. I mean, they might, might have counted for a little bit, but there were other factors that were less quantifiable, that were more subtle. 
that had a tremendous impact on success. And that meant that the market wasn't pricing this efficiently, uh, which is another way of saying that there were some really good players where no, no one knew they were good. So you as a team could pick them up and you could pick them up without paying them that much. And so it changed the entire way that people recruit players. And now that's moved on to other sports as well. And so it's interesting to me that, again, the, the science, the statistics around this is catching up to some of the intuition that we've had for a long time. One question for you, Z, what is the relative importance uh, when you look at this? Uh, so you've got the fundamental blueprint, your DNA, which, as we've talked about, you can't change. But you've got the expression of that, which allows you to either amplify or detract from that, that baseline profile. Well, my dog in the fight is mitigating human suffering giving people an opportunity to live the healthiest, most vibrant, joyful life they can, bottom line. And by having this understanding, it gives us the tools we need to navigate the challenges and the hazards and the rugged terrain of longevity so that we get to those points in our life present, aware, and able to live a fulfilling life for every day that we're here. This knowledge is, is a key. It's like you reach a point in life and it's, 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 it's like a game or something where what's the code? What's the password? What's the riddle to move to the next thing? And one of those riddles is our DNA. One of those riddles is what we came into the world with and how that's expressed. One of the answers to that riddle is understanding the weight, the benefits, the banes of what we started with what we can work with on a very gross, naked level. And if you understand this, then when you hear the false narratives, the failed narratives, the mal thought of, I'm just, this is it. I, I got this from my mom and dad, and I'm stuck. The myths of tribe, the myth of familiar bonds. You can be a part of a family, but you can have a completely different family based on temperament and views and likes and so forth. And that's what I want to share with people. And that's why when you think about how my DNA is expressed, sometimes that's how you argue with a person. Sometimes it's how you love somebody. Sometimes that's what you're afraid of. Sometimes it's how you feel slighted or embraced. It could be an expression of DNA. And you want to know that so you have more to work with. You have many more uh, tools and specialized tools to navigate life. When you talked real briefly about athletics, I'll tell you something where the realm of science and the realm of, of human, human emotion and spiritual experience comes in. So I had a great uh, track coach. I'll talk about him for every day of my life. I have wonderful mentors in my life. And the great Willie White would have, he could field track teams that were unbeatable relay teams, unbeatable relay teams. Maybe if the individual athlete didn't shine that well or wasn't always the champion, his relay teams were phenomenal. Why? And it, it applies to what's going on now. If you, and, and I'm going to get right into this. So if you remember the last Olympics, the U.S. didn't win any gold medals in track and field. Right? They won no gold medals. Because they went to a system of metrics that looked at each athlete and determined their potential and ability. And they would put those people together on relay teams. What was missing? I'll tell you what Willie White did back in the 70s and 60s. He looked at relay teams and he looked at the people's personalities and their ability. So what is your potential? What is your expressed ability? And how well do you get along with your teammate? That was a variable he would use. And he would watch people. And he would ask you questions that didn't seem to mean anything. Hey, what would you guys do on the weekend? And, if you, and, and he later on told me, he said, when I heard that you guys were all together, you hung out together, I knew I had a team. If you went your separate ways after a meet, that was a variable I'm not comfortable with because that's going to be the one person that won't give it all, that may drop the baton, may not do whatever. And then he said, there are certain people that don't do well unless they're under pressure. So if I put you in a runoff and try to time you and say, can you run this 
this 45 second 400 meters. And maybe in time trials, you're only running 46s or 47s, and you're leaving a lot on the table. But if I put your friend in need in front of you, you'll run a 44. And so people would always be perplexed. So the U.S. went to a system where they would simply time the people and say, that's a good time, and if we do the math, and you guys all run this time together, you can beat Jamaica, or you can beat so-and-so. I think they got beat by Sweden or England this time. But the people weren't friends. And if you watch them, each had their own coach, their own manager. They went their separate ways. They had no vested interest in the abilities of the, or the benefits to the other person. And so they ran, and they, it was, there was no harmony in the running. Each one of them left so much on the table, they didn't even place. As were the other teams from small islands and small countries were so happy to be there with each other. You could see the brotherhood or the sisterhood in those runners. So here are people with so-called superior DNA, superior athletic abilities. They couldn't win. They couldn't win. And here are the people that had not as good statistics blew them away. What was the factor? The intangible human factor. What, do you, what is the I am meditation? I'm a good runner, but I'm a better friend. And if my friend needs me, I'm going to give up the goat for him. The loyalty factor. And that elevated the, the ability to express that, that stretch shortening cycle and that rate of force development, which was, was locked in that DNA. And so if you look at the times, they ran faster than they ever did. Many of them ran faster than they ever did to beat the U.S. Isn't that something? It's amazing. The, the, today we had our first meeting in, at, our, at the restaurant, the mm -hmm. executive team, since maybe about five months. And you see uh, what we're speaking about, uh, not trusting one another, not listening to one another, not you know respecting one another, judgment, um, and really having the team decompress and understand that we're here to win a championship. That's right. And then when you haven't, someone has not played a sport before, right? And I took ownership of everything uh, that was happening, is that we have to allow me to, to delegate and see where everybody best fits so we can actually win the championship. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to have a better life, more stability, more money, those type of things. And in order to get there, we have to uh, learn to listen, of understanding, and develop trust. And be willing to go a greater distance for the whole. Which we brought up, willing to, what are you willing to sacrifice? And oftentimes, though that is a heavy question, the sacrifice isn't what you think you're sacrificing. Yeah. Mostly you're sacrificing egocentrism. What about me-ism? And that's the truth. Me, my-ism. That's what you're sacrificing. And how to learn and unlearn. That's right. And that, that was majority of the conversation today is the learning to unlearn when someone will say, well, peace, we talked about that already last meeting. We're talking about unlearning. It's okay to go over what we need to go over at this present moment because we're still missing things right now. We're still not getting things done and we're not completing things. Things that we've scheduled on our line to be completed today, they're not being completed. So it's been some, some time that it was very important for us to uh, focus on that, right? And, 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 and peace, you're so honored because the subjugation of the ego allows you to truly advance who you are. You must subjugate the ego because the ego is constantly conspiring to undermine you. It is constantly conspiring to undermine you so that you can simply announce me, me, me. It is very different than the I am meditation, which is a centripetal inward looking and seeing yourself away from yourself. The ego grandizes you or it sets you upon others or it brings with it jealousy, defensiveness. Nothing good comes out of it. So that will suppress healthy genetic expression because it is too a, it is a partner of anxiety. And it brought me back to, this is something that we wrote down to when I was speaking to them, find 
when we were talking about find your truth, when we spoke about that, mm -hmm. that was in there as well. Like, find uh, your truth, what is in us, in love and forgiveness and gratitude. Uh, because these things, we are not focused on what our personal life is mm -hmm. and coming to the job. And if the executive team, the point of me speaking to them today, the importance of meeting every Wednesday now mornings, and if the executive team is not on the same page, what makes we think that our other level of team members are going to be on because the same page? Because that's the template that sets the example. Because that's the template that sets the example. That's the trendsetter. So in closing, uh, Vin, I, I, if anybody has anything else, I, I, everything that we're sharing is about how you as an individual affects the pace and the trajectory of genetic expression. And if you want it to be healthy and well, it's, it's mental, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's actionable, it's and it's also physical. You follow me, Vin? Yeah. Yeah, I follow you. I mean, I think it's an inspiring message. As we said at the beginning, maybe we close right where we started, that we've got much more opportunity, much more agency than we think, at least the way that I was brought up. I was taught that you are who you are. It's relatively static. You can improve certain abilities, but you can do it in a limited range. And this perspective opens up completely new venues. Depending on where you focus your time, your attention, depending on your attitude, depending on your habits, you can live a lot longer than you thought. You can avoid disease. You can cultivate talent in certain areas. Maybe always tied to some extent to that genetic blueprint. We're not going to rewrite that. But even working off of that, off of that blueprint, it's it's a huge amount of flexibility. So that's where I would end it, Z. Uh, that I think we should all. Walk away from this conversation, hopefully inspired, hopefully get back to that I am, that that real clear sense of who we are. And that's the foundation, that's the seed that that, that grows and it feeds our thoughts, it feeds our habits. Uh, it, it It's really that foundation of, of how we live our life. All right, that's it. Let's do it again next week. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.